price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, my name is Jackie Zabrowski. And my name is Molly Neffel. And we are here to tell you about a little show on the last podcast network called Page 7. We give you the goings-on and who's-a-what's-its in pop culture and celebrity-dom every week. But let's be real. We mostly talk about sexy celebrity daddies and what we're excited about TV and movie-wise with Marcus and the other hosts of the LPN network. It's a weekly sleepover without the fake hand makeouts. So please check out Page 7. It's like side stories. But with ladies. That's absolutely not true. There's no true crime or aliens or serial killers, but it's rife with positivity and fun and celebrities and cats. So come have a smile with us. Check out Page 7 on the Last Podcast Network. I think you might like it. Hello and welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser uh, podcast. Uh, hey, uh, secret bonus uh, uh, magic uh, change of fate. Uh, Holton is off getting married and uh, I had to hold down the fort. And so I'm just going to do what I know best, which is the podcast we were doing before Nerd of Mouth. Uh, I'm sorry, before Wizard and the Bruiser, Nerd of Mouth. <laughs> I was like, you had a podcast before me? <laughs> How dare you? It was Lori Laughlin's Guides to Success. <laughs> In the studio is uh, my buddy and comedian and all around good guy, roast champion of the continental United States. I guess. Uh, Mike Lawrence, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. This is really fun to be back. And uh, if we were doing a movie review episode, it would have been a crime not to have deputy editor for Decider.com. That's correct. And uh, mainstay on the old nerd amount guest circuit, Megan O'Keefe, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. We've all grown and improved. Listener, have you? <laughs> I finally have peace in my life. Yeah. And uh, then I, we saw Captain Marvel. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you heard of this thing, Captain Marvel? I, I, so we were talking. Okay, I will you know, t- lift the curtain and tell mm. the audience we were talking before we started recording. I found it delightful. Um, I my whole thing is as a you know a thirty something woman. I was delighted, but I felt watching it, it was very much like a phase one Marvel film, um, not quite as you know totally realized as say Black Panther was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people are kind of re- reacting negatively negatively to that because it, mm-hmm. it was a little uneven in places. But um, I thought Brie Larson was really charming and. 
I'm calling my ginger cat at home, my little goose. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it, it was good, not great. Um, and that is its greatest sin. Yeah, I, I, I guess the goal of, of all this, like, hand-wringing and social media, uh, uh, I don't know, what do we call it? Just the great tangle of discourse. It's just for there to be enough of these movies that it's not a big deal and no one thing has to, like, hold up the entire... Uh, uh, I don't know, cause of gender equality. Yeah. Like let let's uh, you know just you know, let, let them let it all just be like any other movie where it's like doesn't have to be good, bad, or in between. It just it's just another movie. Yeah, I mean, I want to first like address the the controversy as it were, which is to me utter bullshit that that you know male rage nerds. Uh, hate on stuff like this before it comes out. You know, Carol Danvers was introduced in 1968. <laughs> Wonder Woman was introduced in 1941. Like, the women have been a part of these stories integrally um, since the beginning, pretty much. So it's not when they're like, oh, they're doing it now. It's like, they're around. Like, <laughs> when we get that damn She-Hulk movie, <laughs> 1981, you know, like, I mean... Invisible Woman was there with the rest of the Fantastic Four, so it is important. It is good to have these movies, and uh, you know the, the the most frustrating part is when people uh, complain about the idea of a movie. It sucks because you feel shitty and self conscious for criticizing it for for the merits or sometimes <laughs> lack thereof. Again, yeah. once there's enough of these, we can just tear these up. I, I realized like when when I was talking to 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 Megan, she said she liked the movie and then I was saying why I didn't. I just felt like I was becoming the internet and felt kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that we're friends, but it's just like it, it is cuz people with the rotten tomatoes scores and all that. Yeah. That that shit sucks. I mean, there's definitely also this sort of thing, um, I, you know, when I'm in film media Twitter world, I notice that there tends to be people want to herd themselves into consensus <laughs> about things more and more. You would think everyone, we all have our own platforms, would want to be confident in our individual sort of takes. But actually, like, you want to be in with the it crowd and you want to kind of have sort of a monolith of how you all feel. And I... What does fascinate me is everyone I've talked to about Captain Marvel has a very different personal reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of actually like like that about the film. Yeah, good art does that. And so did this film. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I didn't say it was art. I, I wouldn't say Come it was art. I, it's a fun yeah. movie for, you know, a family gathering. Like, no, totally. And, and I mean, that is the thing. Like, I hope that, that you know, women are empowered by this little girls see this and are like this is awesome and and i love what it's done for women's empowerment i just hate what it's done for scroll <laughs> empowerment <laughs> so Some scroll is gonna see this and be like i thought that we could be anything we wanted to <laughs> and not just a refugee metaphor and they're gonna be like shut up and eat your gruel so the movie like there's there's some i saw it with uh my significant other my number one cutie patoot uh, fiance Marie, and she was absolutely living, living the theater. 
And it was like the exact opposite reaction of uh, when we walked of out me? of me. Of, uh, no, <laughs> of uh, when we walked out of like. On a scale of Megan to Marie. <laughs> Yeah, all two women. Yeah. Um, and my middle name is Marie, too. So like it's, I'm like, wow, like from my we, first name to my middle name, where yeah. is this? But Jake surveyed a panel of the women he knows. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of my cousin to some comedians. Um, so leaving Wonder Woman, like she was in tears. She was like amazed. And it was like this kind of weird bonding moment where like she finally got empowered and saw like what I saw in superheroes my entire life. And it was like this wonderful thing. And and like, com so comparing it to what, like all I can do in my mind is compare it to Wonder Woman. And like Wonder Woman managed to like pull off some like striking imagery with just some ladies on horseback on a beach that like a million dollars of weird, bad CG Blade Runner creep planet could not. Mm. And that's what's like, that's what's sticking with me is that like, like what what did this movie do wrong that like other movies did right? Well, I mean, to defend DC for a sec, you know, I always want there to be DC movies. I think we need alternatives. There are moments in Aquaman, for instance, and Wonder Woman that I love because visually, like, Atlantis felt like a unique place in a way that Asgard didn't. And sometimes, you know, the Marvel movies have great production design, like in Black Panther, Wakanda felt like a real place in the way that a lot of locations in Marvel don't. And, I mean, to me, one of the biggest criticisms was that the Kree homeworld and the Scroll planet and stuff just didn't have any personality. That, mm -hmm. you know, it really was about Earth and that those places were kind of secondary. It was really about blockbuster video. Remember <laughs> yeah. gave us. I did get a lot of weird nostalgia energy just seeing those slanted shelves. I do love the idea of I was product. like, those shelves, a lost fragment of a time gone by. I do love the idea of product placement when there is no product to place anymore. <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, no, I mean, I, I miss the video store culture because I when I was in high school. It was one of the few places I could go to flirt with boys I didn't know from high school. <laughs> and you can't do that on Netflix. Like, I'm alone in my apartment watching Netflix. There's no one new to talk to. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of the best things about... Just block tapping on someone's window while they watch Netflix. <laughs> One of the best things about blockbusters and video store culture um, is the the box art. Like, they had to like give a crap because, mm -hmm. you know, I would rent stuff just based on the cover. Yeah. No, Netflix is even more advanced now because they know who you are and will change the thumbnail. Like... Next time you're on Netflix, see mm -hmm. which friend you get in the thumbnail for friends. It. They'll change it. And they will, it will like haunt you. I remember like. If you I get was... Ross, you're a bad person. If you get Phoebe, you're probably going to be saved in the rapture. I think I get Rachel. I don't know what that means. I remember I was at lunch and I was like, and hey, you I'm know, it's. Basic. <laughs> I was like, it's so weird to me that I only ever see like. Mark Marin in the glow thing and I never get any of the women and they're like you know it's based on your personality and I was like uh, I'm buying everyone lunch the one that stymied me was that um, they for Anna Karenina the movie with Kira Knightley and like Jude Law and Aaron Taylor Johnson and Donald Gleason they picked Emily Watson who's a small side character like you must be really into this British character actress. <laughs> I mean, are you? 
Yeah, you know. <laughs> I get Donald Gleason on movies he's not even in. <laughs> just like this guy loves Gleason. I, and I just get the fact that someday right. I'll evolve into being Brendan Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> he was amazing in Paddington too. <laughs> oh my god. Who wasn't though? It's I mean, it's better than any of this shit we're talking about. <laughs> Let's be honest. All right. Like, what if, lessons if, can the MCU take from Paddington? If we if we want a real podcast like topic was Infinity War better than Paddington 2? Ooh. I don't know. Because both made me feel like a child in the way that I love feeling like a child. Mm. So, I, I know Mike actually has a show in uh, yeah. Manhattan. I've got and, 10 minutes left. Okay, yeah. so what are some things that like struck you the most about the movie? What are the things that like you definitely want to get out there uh, that like affected you? I mean, what did strike me the most, and, and I am positive about it, is the people that love it. And and I, I want to be able to say what I didn't like without shitting on their parade. <laughs> and and I hope I am. Um, and so, and I think there are certain fight scenes. We were talking about the scene when her arms are in the bracers and she just kicks ass. That's an That's incredible amazing. scene to me. And I love that, but for some reason... The, when she like untaps her real power and uh, she fights like those Kree warriors and takes Yon Rog out with one shot and goes through the warships and all of that, I just felt like I was watching a Popeye cartoon. There was no threat. Yeah. Like, and once you did the scroll twist, there wasn't any. Like, I know. And then it was the Kree, and and that's the thing. Like, her taking out Yon Rog with one shot was. A fulfilling moment but the problem was that you didn't give me anything of equal or greater value after that so yeah it was the indiana jones pistol sort of callback like from rares of the lost ark but that worked because it was a side character who was just gonna impede him from getting to the real journey not the big bad with the emotional core yeah and so that, is that what you're saying it is what <laughs> no it literally is what i'm saying and and just that idea of Wanting, you know, give her a Cree sentry to fight or something cool. Yeah, if they they literally had uh, Ronan the Accuser show up and stare her down, and he would already was kind of I don't know what's the term in wrestling uh, when you build someone up. Uh, but you give like, him a mega push. Yeah, they they already gave him the push because even Yanrog was like, "Whoa, watch out, it's Ronan." Yeah, and like that would have been good to like take Yanrog out and then have like the physical threat from Hammer Blue Manly Pace. But they just didn't do that because his whole presence was just the weirdest cameo. Well, a lot of the movie did feel like it was fueled by member berries. You know, like all the 90s stuff had that forced feeling to it. And and the MCU has been around long enough. Like Guardians is almost five years old. So it even is like, member Ronin, you know? <laughs> but you don't do anything with him. Like, and even... Like I love Annette Benning and I and I loved her as the doctor, but the idea that the Cree Supreme Intelligence is just whatever you see it as is what would happen if we made a Captain Marvel movie with the money we have. Mm. Not in a two hundred like million dollar budget movie like well you're just sad that jack kirby's design wasn't good the what was it's a big glowing weird face it's a big green face with genderless <laughs> kind of weird fat like mojo face with you know like bits sticking out of it asparagus hair and and i love it <laughs> oh, and, i forgot about the fucking weird hair well because i i truly believe that 
the MCU in some ways is ashamed of where it comes from. I really do. Mm. Because a lot of the really wacky, especially the Kirby stuff, but the really wacky stuff, you don't see. Um, you know, you mentioned Ragnarok uh, before we got here of like that being an exception. And I think that was Taika really pushing it. Mm. But I don't think Feige does. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No. I'm really curious about Eternals because I, I don't know what Chloe Zhao is going to do with that or how much of a free reign she has. Because I feel like she could... Most people don't really know much about the Eternals. And, and if they do, it's Neil Gaiman's reboot. Um, so I'm really excited, but also trepidatious. Because is are they going to let her be in Arturo's kind of, like, interesting narrative stuff. And, like, really push it to the Kirby limits. Or are they going to, you know, pull it back? For a property like that, they have to just, like, let the reins go and just try some. Otherwise, what's the lore? If it's even half as good as Inhumans, they got, they're got leaving money on the table. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem, what was great about Kirby is that it wasn't relatable. <laughs> you know what I mean? I and mean, I'm serious about that. Like, you kind of needed somebody like Stan to make it accessible, but... If you just look at those pictures on their own, they're better than us. Like, it's awe-inspiring, it's mythical, it's godlike. It is better than, than humanity. Like, he's a genius. That's a very strong praise for a guy that drew the same burly, weird gorilla man for every character. Okay, and his women faces were terrible, but <laughs> always had the one eye bigger than the other. But he really did have this way of, like, seeing the world that I think that people shy away from i mean the biggest example probably being the galactus cloud mm. that it was just easier to like do nothing i mean even in some ways you know give ditko credit they kind of pushed out on dormammu i'm gonna say it they didn't make him a walking talking flame-faced guy they just had him look like some stone kids poster <laughs> it's in the spirit yeah <laughs> But it didn't go uh, I'll, I'll stand out. by Dormammu as a fun. I like that that yeah. non conflict conflict. Uh, but no, you're you're mad about the scrolls. Let's say it. Yeah, you're mad I about am. the scrolls. I'm pissed. I th- I'm I, serious. Yeah, I liked the twist. I did too. I thought. Well, I thought Mendelssohn really sold it for me. Yeah, <laughs> I just think you could have done it with another alien race. But that you you just took off the table a lot of great stories. I mean. In this story, these scrolls are allies, but is it possible that there will be other scrolls down the line? It's very are? easy yeah, to just have Mendelssohn already... show up on a video screen being like, no, those are those are the bad ones. They're the cult of Bagoogagook. Well, here's a, a, a big problem that I had to go into the, the curbiness of it is that they never turned into anything but people. Like, they just weren't... Like... Oh, they had that whole joke thing where it was like, do you have a filing cabinet? And he's like, no, why, why would I want to... Which is funny in the theater, yeah. but you're right. I didn't know that. Just, I didn't realize that that was. A are you aspect. are you saying the movie would have been better if there was a scene where they were hypnotized into becoming cows? Is this what you are saying? Yeah, <laughs> but but in the comics, they could turn into any alien creature just doing different things. They're just they're kind of even when you're supposed to think they're the antagonist, they have like these little tasers and stuff, and they turn into surfers, but. Not even silver. And uh, <laughs> they just don't come off formidable to me. There was like a, the way that they played with like the trick of like they know recent memories. Like it was a fun game. Like a lot of things in this movie, there were some cool ideas that didn't quite get their full due. Yeah. Because they had to keep like kind of shuffling everything from act to act. But uh, I was genuinely floored when they made the reveal because it was just because I've read so many comics, the idea that the scrolls 
were going to become like space curds <laughs> was just like <laughs> space curds um was just i was just like i just it did not even occur to me even with all the cree like hey what if we're the bad guys like yeah okay whatever but the scrolls are still bad and then i it honestly was surprised space curds does sound like something that was served at guy free yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at first my brain was like like cheese curds and i was like oh like curd curds i'm not gonna the lie flavors are good. out of this world just between because obviously there's no microphones here and we're talking amongst friends i was gonna say space palestinians but i thought it would be too loaded <laughs> well the one thing that didn't occupy was my attention <laughs> oh shit <laughs> um holy land uh also props to ben mendelson for uh doing his dance even though he had like a very clear uh, case of like um, movie makeup mush mouth and a thick Australian accent for some reason it gave him like a he's Australian yeah but you know but is there a reason why a scroll couldn't have an Aussie accent well then they should all be no, it worked. That did irk me a little. I will I will admit they should have all had the yeah. accent. Because he had the default like sneering foreign villain accent, which again made the twist just a little bit. The fact that they came to a head because it was a hostage situation with a little girl, whatever. Hey everyone, it's your beefy bruiser Jake here to talk about this week's sponsor, Eero. Have you ever been frustrated by Wi-Fi dead zones in your house? The problem lies in the single router model. Trying to cover an entire home with one router is like trying to light your entire place with a single light bulb. The laws of physics just aren't on your side, friend. That's why Eero has been revolutionizing how we connect online by providing a powerful enterprise-grade solution that's easy enough for anyone to use. The Eero Home Wi-Fi system lets you add beacons to increase the range and reliability of your network to fit any home, and with the Eero app on iOS or Android, setup is quick, easy, and painless. There's nothing worse than having to crawl down to read your router's IP address on that scuzzy sticker on the bottom every time something goes wrong. That's why Eero lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand, keep track of connected devices, and let you create guest networks and change your security settings with the same ease as sharing a meme on social media. Plus, Eero keeps you safe using state-of-the-art WPA2 encryption and automatic security updates to protect you from cyber attacks. Heck, when was the last time you updated the software on your router? Statistically, probably never. Eero takes care of these common vulnerabilities so you don't have to. Oh, what's that? You want more security options? Oh, okay. Uh, with Eero Plus, you can block malicious and unwanted content across your entire network. Their advanced security checks sites against a database of millions of known threats and seamlessly prevents you from visiting known malicious sites. There's parental controls to protect your kids from violent, illegal, or adult content, and you can manage it on the fly with the Eero app. With Eero Plus, you also get access to reliable third-party security apps like VPN encryption from Encrypt.me, password management from 1Password, and antivirus software from Malwarebytes. Oh, and uh, get this, there's a built-in ad blocker, so your browsing and streaming will be faster and quicker than you ever imagined. Finally, there's Eero's incredible customer support. If you're sick of being the family IT expert every time you visit a relative, you can tell those lazy bums that with Eero, you can just pick up the phone and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert within 30 seconds. You hear that, Uncle Joe? 30 seconds, all right? So what are you bugging me for? For years, I struggled with terrible Wi-Fi coverage from an underpowered router in a crowded New York apartment building. Literally the worst case scenario. And now that I've tried Eero for myself, I am weeping over how many headaches I could have been spared. Setting up the router and beacon was 
easy. I just followed the instructions on my phone. Everything just plugged in and worked. It was incredible. And the tri-band 5 gigahertz connection is blazing fast. Never think about Wi-Fi again and get $100 off of the Eero base unit and two beacons package and get a year of Eero Plus. That's all the security options we described. Go to Eero.com slash wizard. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash wizard. And then at checkout, enter the promo code wizard. And I will say he's a phenomenal actor. Like he did the best that he could. I just, I think like with a lot of phase one movies, and I do consider this one as well, it's that the directors are given a goal. Like the point of this movie was, hey, who did Nick Fury call at the end of Infinity War? And how do we build her up and make her look like a tough threat? So that when you see her against Thanos, you're like, holy shit. Because we've seen everyone else fail. She's the one who hasn't failed. Now you're more excited to watch them fight. Right? I mean, Thor threw a, like, chopped him in half almost. But he missed and he failed. Mm. So he kind of doesn't have the same heat that now, you know, Captain Marvel does. And I think that the directors tried to, their best to give it personality. I, I do think the memory loss stuff and the pacing was an overly convoluted way to make it their own, but I appreciate that they did something different. Yeah. How, yeah. How did you feel about the whole, like, uh, memento-ish way they went about it? Um, I, I didn't mind it as much. However, I agree with some of the comments I've heard from some people that because she spends so, time trying, so much time trying to figure out who she is, we don't spend a lot of time with her as an actual fully realized person. And we we, we still, there are things about her personality we, we don't really know. We're told a lot. Yeah, and like to that point, I today I saw people on my feed um, complaining that she had like makeup on at the end of the Avengers Endgame trailer. And my whole take on that was like, well, we've never seen her have access to this stuff because when she's in Star Force, I don't think they have like a, you know, a Sephora. <laughs> and also like she just basically flew across the galaxy. I fly for two hours in a plane and I want to get a shower and like clean up. <laughs> like maybe she just wanted to have a hot shower and she used Scarlet Witch's makeup. I don't I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean to be fair, everyone in that trailer was also wearing makeup, so we're in movie land. And like Scarjo's hair, oh my god. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um also, but somewhere between Captain Marvel and Endgame, she found a uh, flat iron for her hair. So good for <laughs> Again, I think she raided Scarlet Witch's room. I think that's what happened. <laughs> I think that she's weird. I mean, all that stuff is just there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many people died at the end of that Infinity War. I, I, I was on a, a podcast today and I said, what if Endgame was just about how nice the world is when there's half the people? <laughs> just everyone being like, there's no light at the post office. That's yeah. Maybe, I was like, maybe I was like, Thanos was right? You just see like Hawkeye get a table at Peter Luger. <laughs> like, I didn't have to call in advance. No, right this way, sir. It was like, all right, this is kind of, and but they just keep going. But it was random, right? It's completely random. They just don't want to feel too guilty. It was random, right? Yeah, I, I just think uh, the big question is, are we past a movie feeling phase one? Or do if we do like it, do we still give it credit? Or do we say, hey, the bar's been raised. Step it up a bit. And that, I think, is the big debate on this film, where I think some yeah. people are saying, no, the bar has been raised and this sucked. Or some people like me are like, eh, 
oh, that was a fun little, you know, treat. <laughs> I think because Marvel is the company that like delivered and elevated so much, I my expectations are way higher. Especially for something called Captain Marvel, which is their first female-led film. Yeah. But uh, the, their last movie was, I mean, to, yeah. to me, kind of a stinker. Like I still haven't even watched it. Yeah, I mean, what does that say? That I just, it's it's not, uh, you know, I just, I check the reviews. And, like, if if it's, like, a general, like, yeah, you can miss it, then, like, I'm busy. I'll miss it. Here, here's the, the final question I, I'll ask. you call ask. yourself a real fan? <laughs> I, I don't know what to call myself anymore. That was a joke. Jake. Your name is Jake. <sighs> but who is that? My name is Carol. <laughs> Fierce! It just, you know it was that moment when she said that where I was like, oh yeah, all this stuff was created in the 60s. <laughs> the names are just so old-fashioned. You know, Peter and Bruce and Carol. <laughs> I have a friend named Carol who's really happy with that scene. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm cool. She just went, that's my name too. And then John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. It's like, I never get to have that moment. <laughs> Oh, yeah. God, I forgot what I was going to say. Phase one. Oh, his eye, you were saying. No, no, it wasn't that. Although I did, I, it was a fun gag, but it takes away his military toughness. Right. What was the exact moment that they added, like, the additional cat joke that made all the previous cat jokes uh, not as funny anymore? I don't know. I, I, re- I remembered what it was, which was that in a perfect world... Should we have waited a year between Infinity War and Endgame for narrative oomph? I mean, I'll have to see Endgame before I can yeah. decide, to be honest. Yeah, because I do think, in this movie, I think there's definitely more essential and important to the story. But I do think that Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out like two months after was a bit of a speed bump and then even and I know it's marketing and I I know that these movies are bigger than any of us and they're meant to make money but even like the Spider-Man yes mm. the idea of like already knowing that it's undone like can we live in the illusion that he won <laughs> for for a year I, I, I understand why we can't but it is a little sad. But a, a little bit of kayfabe makes the world just that much more magical. Yeah. And in some ways, that is the most comic book thing ever <laughs> because they came out every month, you know, and the story always moved on. Mm. Yeah. The uh, God, I mean, I'm more curious about Endgame, less from a narrative perspective and more from just a, a meta point where like all these actors have their contracts are done. They can't. They're getting old. They can't keep doing it. Yeah. Like, how are you going to stick this landing? <laughs> and that's more fascinating to me than anything that it's like, oh, we went to the quantum realm and we put an anti-neutrino device on. The, and then a Nebula uh, stabbed him in the neck and he died at the end. Like, I don't care about that. that I just want the scene where uh, Clint Barton Hawkeye is training Kate Bishop, which I think it is her. And that's awesome if it is. And he just says. You go and have the plot development that I was never allowed to. <laughs> you go and be a character. <laughs> She's like, having a family is a character. No, it's not. 
<laughs> but I gotta go, guys. Uh, right. Continue having fun, and this was so great to be back and yeah. talk to you guys. Uh, it's so great have to see fun you, at your gig. Yeah, and let's do this again in five years when um, you know uh, slapstick comes out. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> right after Darkhawk, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Tarantino's Dark. I would I would give a limb to see Tarantino's Dark Hawk. Well, it won't be as good as Spike Lee's Night Thrasher, but he'll take a lot of ideas from it and yeah, yeah, pass yeah. them off as his own. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, the thing about Nighthawk is that he could fly and he had a grappling hook. So depending on what the artist wanted to draw, he could be Superman or Batman. You meant to say Dark Hawk. You said Nighthawk, and that's an entirely different character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, the thing about Nightwing is that he has <laughs> Escrima sticks, which is... Just two dumb batons. How haven't they had night beak? <laughs> night beak. <laughs> Bye, Mike. Bye. Hi, Megan. Hi. You watch a lot of movies. I would say I watch more TV now than movies. Because oh, okay. I'm more focused as a TV critic. Oh, sorry. Okay. Just have, that's what I do for a living, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not a lot of time for me to say a lot of movies. Um, and there's a constant string of new streaming shows I have to devour. Um, so that takes a lot of my attention, but but go on. I'll try to pretend I can answer. I was questions. just trying to make an appeal to authority because you got to see a preview screening. You I got did, to be yes, so yeah. like being there on like a crowd full of people that are like happy and excited to be mm-hmm. in this special screening. Like, what was the energy in the theater there? It was, um, yeah, like pretty good. I mean, my friend and I looked at each other. I'm like, well, that was great. And um, but I think the girls in front of or ladies in front of me were not as happy. So I did like detect a sort of ripple of like hmm like some people were pleased and delighted and like as as I was and some people were you know disappointed like Marie was um <laughs> okay oh, but I? not to that level not uh-huh. to that level but I think you know I I I caught into the fact that like this is going to be a, a polarizing film and the reasons why I like it are the reasons why others will not <laughs> I'm sorry Marie sent me a list of her like post screening notes and some of these are just like uh, some of them are, are just all the retro reference. These these are all in caps. These yeah, are all oh, in caps. Like my mother's emails. <laughs> all the retro references were knowing winks instead of actually setting a mood. Oh, my God. Get some fucking Sleater Kenny in there or something. Jesus. I mean, that I agree with. Yeah, that was that was the weirdest thing is I, the music were, choices. I some of them were fun. But then after a while, it became apparent that they had no thesis to them besides just being 90s hits. Yeah. Um, whereas um, and I think I mentioned this before, but like Guardians of the Galaxy, the reason why that worked was that it was so specific in tone and taste and to the moment. It had an emotional reason to be there. Because it had you a believed practical, that it was a mixtape written by a character in the universe. Yeah. And you, and you believe you could you could it told you a lot about Peter Quill's mother too what kind of woman she was like she was this cool chill fun lady who liked cool 70s rock and like fern bars like <laughs> and you could totally see her fucking an alien like <laughs> like, like it all makes sense like and you could sort of see how that music could shape star lord into who he, he is mm. um in this case like the music some of it worked and some of it did not help you understand carol more and i think i i really like the no doubt needle drop but i feel like that would have been so much more momentous had the previous one not felt so yeah. uh, arbitrary or just sort of like, well, we have the rights to waterfalls and this Nirvana song. Yeah. Because Courtney oh. Love wants money. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was the, yeah, specifically, those were the two biggest ones that took me out of the movie was like, 
Waterfalls didn't send me back to this like time and place and mood. I was just like, oh, I heard this song yesterday. Yeah. This is just a per- this is an American standard. Sure. Than sure. like a testament to an era. Like a heart song, like Kiss Me Deadly and the karaoke scene. That was very yes, specific. Very, that worked. That worked. Uh, Crazy on You and the when the, the, mm-hmm. the that worked. Um, I thought Push It as a or is it the, the cop listening was or mm-hmm. like that was funny because yeah. it was a different character, so you could play with that. Um, but yeah, I didn't tell some of those songs didn't make any sense in with regard to Carol's personality. Yeah, yeah, and the, the "I'm Just a Girl" drop uh, would have worked because it it fits. It's like a goofy song. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's on the nose uh, theme wise. Yeah, but uh, the that entire fight sequence where she's like learning how her powers her in her powers work while like trying to fight her old friends and she's kind of like being a goof about it. Mm-hmm. Um. Just the, the it, it wasn't shot like as it wasn't shot like a Jackie Chan comedy fight scene. It was shot like a dark CG, like serious fight scene. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that was just a basic filmmaking mis- like misstep. Yeah. Then like, um, yeah. That's a good point. I feel like in general, like a lot of like these superhero films, they could benefit from watching like a lot of Hong Kong stuff or old and new and just in the way they create the tableaus and the personality and the, yeah. of the shots. Um, the, the only like yeah I mean it really does matter like yeah. how you even like personify the fight moves and I don't know I've, I've had conversations with like fight court stunt coordinators about this about like I talked to the guy who did Daredevil season 2 and he did the elevator fight in uh, um, Winter, 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 Winter Soldier yeah and like he has a very specific crisp way of doing things that feels a lot more to me, impactful and human. Like, he brings the viciousness of punching someone in the face to his fight scenes. And to that point, I he did a lot with Elektra that I thought was really interesting and that moved away from the typical Black Widow. Like, I'm going to jump this way. And I'm going like, to squeeze your head between my thighs, do an MMA flip. Yeah, yeah. And he, I brought it up and he was like, yeah, we wanted to... Like, he was very tactful, but he was acknowledging that, <laughs> that they're basically giving the same fight moves as so many of these actors and actresses. And to me personally, I'm just going on a rant now. No, no. I feel like, for me, um, I liked my characters that have a very specific skill set and fighting style and matches their personality and to what Mike was saying like that one scene where she was kind of handicapped we saw Carol's personality in her fighting and mm-hmm. her like sneering at the scroll and her being kind of you know woody with the boots and just trying her it, that was a good fight scene that was an incredible it had personality <laughs> and a specific like a physicality to it that yeah. like she had to deal with these weird heavy gauntlets and there was a weird narrative there's a good narrative structure to it as well as it moved through from room to room, a stage to stage, from goal to goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but that final scene where she's like zipping around, she fights off the bombs. It doesn't. You don't know where to put your focus. Yeah, it felt like a. It almost felt like a like a Star Wars Star Wars prequel battle scene where mm-hmm. just there's a lot. Ha- I'm, there's definitely a lot happening, but I'm not like it's not communicating right. Uh, speaking. Okay, so this is based solely in my experience on. Uh, Tumblr and uh, tween fans of the YouTube channel that I'm a part of. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, I We ended up, I'm on the Drawfee channel on YouTube and like just there's a bunch of weird tweens. I, by weird, I mean heartfelt and great. Okay. But, Tell uh, me more about your tweens, Jake. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the army of incredibly nice people. Um, most of them are now adults. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, like 
the scene of Wonder Woman crossing the uh, no man's land mm-hmm. or the scene of Moana, like walking up to Tafiti, like these powerful images that stick with you after the movie that are like become these like totemic, like iconic moments of empowerment. Did Captain Marvel have any, like, real, like, oh, yeah. fuck yeah moments? For me and for a lot of people, and I actually tweeted out this morning, the one where she cycles back to, like, all the times she fell, but then oh, she got up. Oh, God. I, that yeah. means a lot to me in the trailer. I feel like, though, the two moments that were really like that, they used in the trailers and the promotion so much, That's, that, and her zipping so fast into the sky and, like, punching things and just being, like, turning around in the in space and being like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, those two moments, had they held them from the trailers, would have hit so much harder. That's, that honestly, I, it's, that moment is really powerful. And it, because my brain was like, oh, this is from the trailer, it took me out of it. But yes, that's like, and that's definitely the payoff for the entire movie that like, you know, we're telling this story. It's weird that they usually don't show that, like the really, like the, like the, the climax of the fights like like, like that in the trailers anymore they, like Endgame they're hiding so much because they don't want to show you anything Captain Marvel they kind of gave away the goods in the trailer yeah it's yeah that's that's yeah I mean it's because when you I don't know I guess I'm just we're just bombarded by so much uh, the, the reference that people kept using in reviews and stuff is like Dove Soap commercials imagery that like uh, that empowerment without like context can seem pandering but i can't like i'm just so entangled in all this that i can't differentiate it imagine being a woman and having all that too (laughs) sorry every time i try it gets real scary yeah well i uh, i'm going on a tangent but i got really mad when i saw the dark phoenix trailer because to me i'm like what's the point of this movie which is the narrative is like uh, the metaphor is, well, this woman has all this untapped power, but she should be afraid of it because if she she can't control herself because she's too emotional, and therefore she'll become the worst version of herself. And Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman, to accent, do the opposite, where they have this untapped potential that they don't know about, and then when they they do become free, they actually use their powers for good and become the, the optimum versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And now that we've had Wonder Woman and now Captain Marvel doing that, Dark Phoenix feels so sexist <laughs> and overtly sexist. It's it's a holdover from the 70s. Like Chris Claremont wrote that whole story. And it's literally like, what if the good girl went bad? And then like he followed that instinct and what uh, what would happen is the universe would die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, God, the whole dark, like after watching the the Dark Phoenix saga over and over and over again in so many different iterations at this point, the comics, the cartoons, the reboots, the, they bring her back. How many movies do they address it? It's just the fact that like everybody in your friend group goes way out of their way for the one attractive friend. <laughs> Where like if it was the, if I went crazy and killed half, if I killed a planet, they'd I, be like, oh, I'd be the first to <laughs> shoot you in the head. <laughs> I'd be right there. This is for your own good, Jake. No, yeah, shame there's no way around this. But for Gene, no, let's like, let's try and figure this out for Gene. Um, but part of that too is I don't think any of the X-Men properties has done that 
since the 60s run has done a really good job of establishing how she was the emotional core mm-hmm. and glue of the original X-Men. And I feel like I love early Marvel Girl. Like, she's one of my favorites. And I, you made this face. Like, I love Marvel Girl. In the, pil- in the Jackie O outfits. Oh with even God. Even the professor being like, golly, she is quite the hot tomato. <laughs> like, well, I love the moment in the 60s where, like, okay, so first of all, I'm going to defend Jean Grey. Like, she, okay. As a fellow redhead. <laughs> um, so she's the only girl. Um, she is the only person whose power is basically, oh, besides Ka- uh, Professor X, mind control. Like, compare her to the four boys she's with. They all have physical <laughs> manifestations of their powers. Her you know, ability is a secret mental power. Like she has all, she's the most powerful, but it's her brain. And um, she's an equal team member. She gets to be feminine and still be a hero. And I feel like I like that. I like that when she puts on her costume, she's like, ooh, it's like Christian Dior. It's great. Like, I love it. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees. So you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, like 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Wizard and the Bruiser a free stock when they sign up, like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help you build your portfolio. That's right, a free stock when you sign up at wizard.robinhood.com. Once again, it's wizard.robinhood.com. So here's the thing. Uh, uh, A specter that came up with Captain Marvel is is she and this is pure uh online brain poisoning this is not i have not done the actual readings i have not done the research i have no basis on this i'm just like trying to point out yeah like things that i remember reading is she the ghost of the cool girl the fact that she's like this tough as nails military chick that doesn't take no guff Mm. like is that is that a is that a fantasy or is that just like no i don't want to be a soldier who's powerful. I want to be me and powerful. Yeah. Is that because this is something that I, I every comic kind of does, which is if you realize you need to add diversity, you end up just adding a soldier who happens to fill that role because it's easier to write a soldier because the whole point of becoming a soldier is that your life experience and personality gets flattened by the U.S. government. <laughs> um, It's interesting. I mean, I think the whole cool girl thing as it relates to say uh, Gillian Flynn's work uh, that passage is very haunting because it, it it punctures something that's very personal I think to every woman and trying to morph and mold yourself to sort of fit into a certain place to be accepted, to be loved to get ahead um, but then it also does this thing where it refracts and like well who am I? It's almost it's actually reflected in the story like who am I if I'm just the creation of everyone else's expectations um, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um conversations and criticism and like it's not until she has a friend who's like you're powerful even without your powers that she kind of 
self-actualizes. And I I want to jump on this other conversation I had that I saw go raging. Like, you know, this is propaganda to get girls to join the Air Force. Like that whole strain I saw before the movie was out because the Air Force Mm -hmm. is in the commercials. And but like the Air Force comes across really poorly in this film as and also if we're going by historical context, if she wants to be a pilot and she wants to live a life where she's able to do the things that she sees boys doing, but girls are told they're not allowed, it does characterize and make sense that she would want to do that to sort of push herself. And it, it makes sense that she would have seen Top Gun and yeah, been in like, the 80s, yeah, and been like, screw you, I'm going to be Iceman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Oh my! The military really didn't factor into it. I, I no. again, this is more just because. And it was very anti-war, actually. For uh, but not anti-war enough. That was the weird. Yeah. She was like, "Thank she God." She still punched through like a, a ship that maybe had some innocent people who just had to be the mechanics. You know, like she didn't stop the question who she. Was. AC systems all fixed now. How do I submit my contract? <laughs> like, like, What's the invoice system? Oh no! Like she was on their side. Like there, what if those people don't know the truth? Like. <laughs> I, the arc of the movie is like, thank God I left that oppressive imperialist like imperialist military. Now time I'm to, the oppressor. <laughs> time to go back to my where I'm really where I belong, the U.S. military. Um, the honestly, I feel like they just wanted more commercials with like the troop, like with her yeah. being like, I am a troop. Troops are good. See this movie. Then like it had actually anything to because she could have just been a test pilot. That's yeah. like a job. That's like it, the fact that it's like the United States Air Force didn't really factor into it no. it's besides just cool shots of her in a flight suit. It factored in that because the women couldn't fly combat missions, like they were more eager to do this crazy ass light yeah. speed thing. Um, and, and to that point, I, I was really struck by how like after the movie came out, that's when Martha McSally revealed that she had been sexually assaulted and she's the first female test combat pilot or t- female combat pilot. And, and today I, I watched an interview where she was like, um, I can't guarantee women if they enter the military that they won't be assaulted. So or that she was like, not what well that she wants to stop that. But she was asked by Nora O'Donnell. Sorry, I'm being very in the weeds. but. Mm-hmm. I have a point. We live and, in the weeds. Yes. This is the weeds.podcast. Yeah. But um, she was like, um, well, would you encourage other women to come forward to like call out people who've done this? And she was like, I, I wouldn't tell anyone what to do or not to do in the military. And I was <laughs> like, okay, so while you're saying the Air Force is going to propagandize little girls, you also have literally the real life version of Captain Marvel being like, if you do that, you're going to be raped <laughs> and we can't do anything about it. Yeah, that they did not address that in the. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know. It's a huge tangent, but I, I no, no. It, it's, tonally, I thought that was a really weird timing. Uh, that's just serendipitous, but the opposite of that. Okay, no. Okay, so here's the, here's 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 the connection, and this is part of where the disconnect in Captain Marvel I feel is happening is, if you're gonna be a movie that is like taking it to the system and like actually gonna be about something, there's a lot that like you're gonna that a mainstream movie will have to paper over and like it don't be it's just it's just it takes such a perfect amount of grace to like navigate that web yeah and i don't think captain Any marvel did, did that and it's almost impossible yeah. to do that i mean i think 
Black Panther has come closest. And even 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 people ended up leaving Black Panther being like, Killmonger was right. What the hell was this movie? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but Black Panther and uh, sorry to bring it back to Wonder Woman still had these uh, visions of like fully empowered free societies mm. um, where. Ooh, ooh. OK, OK. This is it sounds good. I didn't think this statement through. All right. I'm, I'm getting some water. So yeah, yeah, people yeah. hear me swigging water. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you're going to be doing a spit take when I finish this hot, hot piece okay. of piece of knowledge. Wonder Woman and Black Panther both had protagonists that came from worlds free of the exact forms of oppression that their target audiences have experienced. And those audiences might have found that even more empowering yeah. than having a character who just kind of had to put up with it and still has to live with it. Yeah. Who came of age in the along with Brett Kavanaugh. With the, the, <laughs> <laughs> same age, basically. <laughs> Just, uh, there should have been a scene where Carol Danvers uh, watched her mom cry as Reagan got reelected. That would have been, really would have put a time and place. Tears there. of joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's a very popular present. Where she would have been like, ah, <laughs> Dukakis. <laughs> Dukakis. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, again, uh, the 90s setting was kind of wasted. Like, yeah. uh, seeing someone at an old fashioned computer was like kind of cool. I thought that was a charming little. Like, but it should. Show. I wanted more of that. Yeah. And then they immediately shunt off to a secret military base, and then an isolated house, and then. Though space. I will say, though, now that I think about it, the isolated military base arc is very Independence Day, which came out in '96. Mm. So, like, there is something '90s about the filmmaking, but <laughs> did we want that? Mm. I survey says you did not. <laughs> so I guess uh, to kind of. Bring it back around. How do you feel about uh, Samuel L. Jackson? Because I thought he was. I thought he and Brie Larson had great chemistry. Yeah, it really did work. Uh, um, and I know some people think it was Nick Fury origin story, and I didn't. Yeah, a little bit, but he was her sidekick. That's the yeah. He was her sidekick, but they still like, in terms of like relevant information about the world, it was. Yeah. It definitely was like, there was more. The movie held more value, I guess, to the world building of the Marvel universe. As the Nick Fury origin story. And the Coulson origin story. That, <laughs> I, I, okay, this is when the movie got me. When Coulson got in the car with uh, Nick Fury, I he was very stilted and his acting was bad. And I was like, oh, did he like phone this in? Is this like a CG? And then when the, the reveal happened, I was like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I have been made a fool. Like Clark Gregg's amazing <laughs> acting. He really thought that scroll character through. <laughs> Was this like bad performance capture? Did they young him up too much? Like, what's going on here? And then, surprise, he's a lizard. Oh, sir, I'm still here at the parking lot. Sir. <laughs> you want me to get some donuts? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. The more, the more I, the more I think about this movie, the less I'm like upset by it. There's yeah, th that's what I meant. Like, I saw it twice, and part time too. I was like, oh, I, there's a lot here I like. Like, it wasn't even when I first saw it, but. It, yeah, and in that way, it reminds me of how I felt about Captain America, the first Avenger, to pull it back to as a phase one movie, where I was like, I don't know, it's uneven, and the, uh, the, the acts go on a little too long, I don't know, and now that's one of my favorite Marvel films. After watching it again and again, I notice little grace notes and, and tonal things that really get to me and emotional stuff, and I feel like Captain Marvel has that potential, but it also could just be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. I, it's, it's On the fence. If you, if, I think it's, how much you're invested going into it. Mm -hmm. If you walked in kind of buying the hype and like 
yeah. really believing that like, hey, this is your movie. We made this movie for you. And then just kind of like delivering a seven out of 10 that like doesn't even deliver like the pure fangirl service, mm-hmm. which I'm not like, d- d- I'm, whoop. I'm not like saying is a bad thing, but like, like deliver that yeah. if that's who you're making this movie for. For those of you listening, uh, Jake just broke the glass ceiling. Uh, <laughs> no, I was bad. I was bad. Um, I, I I'm gonna make a complete confession here. Um, I'm usually really up on my Marvel stuff. I am. I was clueless about Captain Marvel before seeing this film. Oh. I knew that there was a Flurkin cat thing. <laughs> I knew that I know that the scrolls can shapeshift. I know the Korean scrolls don't like each other. Besides that, I really didn't know jack shit. And I wonder if like compared to like Mike, who's like, oh, you can't have the scrolls do this and that. I'm like, I don't know. You can't have the scrolls do anything. Ben Mendelsohn's great. <laughs> like, does that have any bearing? Maybe. Like, uh, it definitely makes the first chunk of the movie a little rocky, where they have to like info dump all this stuff. For sure. And I thought that that was I'm very clunkily anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh I oh that was the other thing is like uh you know all these other characters get to have good stuff going on mm-hmm. well like Ben Mendelssohn's son I can't never had to say his name out loud this many times he gets to be like I'm here to protect my wife and child like I've I've come for you <laughs> <laughs> I will protect I'm sorry you did the right thing and like uh Score soda heat <laughs> <laughs> so much that shit that voice when you're just covered in latex paint, and you're trying to enunciate. And like, even even Carol, who's Is supposed that to- why he had the Aussie accent? Because maybe it was too much for him to put on an accent and have the prosthetics. Just foreign accent. I feel like they were just going for the villain story. Right. Okay. okay. That, I, like, I was just that was a, um, like a little idea. I, I sound. Li- I'm. I don't sound like heroes do. <laughs> I sound like I'm gonna team up with Jason Statham. Uh, Nick Fury got to have like the fun cat moment, even yeah. like uh, uh, the Rambo family got to. And like, meanwhile, Carol's just like kind of in the middle, just being like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And like, so like she didn't get to have all this, these emotional core moments. And even in the end, once she self-actualized, she's like, don't worry, guys. Now that I'm like super like together and enlightened and whole, I'm going to sacrifice everything for the for this nuclear family unit and the space space curds. Yeah. Yeah, space curds. <laughs> it's cheese, but it's wacky. Dip your fries in them. <laughs> Only 99 cents right now at the Galaxy Bar. <laughs> oh my God, we've been talking for a hot second now. Is uh, what, what is there any other like uh, uh, takes or moments? Um, or? No, just that again, I'm calling my cat my little goose. <laughs> He looks like Goose. I don't know. Uh, just reading some more uh, Marie notes. Uh, Annette Benning was wasted. <laughs> We, I th- who well, is this I, kid? I is this Gemma short Chan round? Gemma Chan was wasted. Gemma Chan was wasted. Because every time she got a line, her line read was like on point. The what like, was the thing where it's... it's a real shithole. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I'm sorry we didn't get to hang out or... What? I just didn't like you. Oh. God, every line. Every line was just like, yeah. I was sad when she died because I was like, I want her to come back and like be a bigger threat Later, like I want her to run like the Cree resistance that's still alive after mm-hmm. Thanos and all. The, like I want her to be that new accuser character. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I want. Yeah, I want Lee Pace to show. I wanted Lee Pace to be the big bad. Okay. Uh, 
her first note is the whole thing was an extended flashback to explain the beeper at the end of uh, Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. I that, that's not a quibble. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fact. Uh, <laughs> I mean. And uh, God. It's, oh, this is one thing. I'm kind of sick of the uh, tough girl spars with like instructor, like authority figure as form of character development. I feel like Miss Congeniality did it best. Mm. Like it just always happened. Uh, uh, Pacific Rim did it. Like it just always keeps happening that right. like if you want to have uh, just character development, just make them like kung fu fight. And then like everybody gets like a snarky line in as soon as they make like a throw. Mm. Like someone hits the mat and then they get raise an eyebrow and be like, is that what you believe? <laughs> Strike me. Yeah. No, I like the crease scroll twist. Not going to give that an inch. Uh, <laughs> let's let's just agree that the only person who definitely enjoyed this movie the most was Kevin Smith, who got like one of Stan Lee's last cameos being a full oh, screen yeah. showing of the Mallrat script. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that was cute. The, the Stan's this thing at the beginning was nice yeah I mean I would have liked some more Carol being Carol but then I'm actually kind of curious to see like again like Endgame we actually don't know her or who she's become like it could be interesting that's uh, honestly 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 uh, in the hands of like uh, a directing team that like seems to be more in touch with like what creates the dopamine in a superhero movie uh, I'm kind of excited for the Russo brothers to have Carol. Yeah. And like to let her kind of cut loose and be like a, whatever the giant supernova like physical threat that they've established her to be. Because uh, I just maybe these directors that, you know, the half Nelson team just wasn't suited for this kind of <laughs> swashbuckling cosmic yeah. Yeah. adventure. And that might have mm. just been it. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Like, two out of three ain't bad. Seven out of ten ain't bad. It's, yeah. Seven out, six if you wanted more. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want Brie Larson's uh, Juicy Couture sweatsuit now that she was wearing to the the movie theaters opening night. Just adding that. Like, if someone can send me. That was a good dress. That... If someone can send me. Carol, <laughs> the Captain Marvel Juicy Couture sweatsuit. Um, I won't pay you back. Uh, mm-hmm. My Instagram is private, so I can't influence anyone. <laughs> but I would love it. Uh, yeah, speaking, I guess, speaking of social media, uh, how can people find your work online or um, where can they follow you? They can read my stuff at desire.com. Um, I'll be doing most, if not all, of our Game of Thrones coverage, ramping that up right now. <sighs> yeah. Um, and uh, my it's twi- nice that George R. R. Martin finally gets to see how Game of Thrones ends, isn't it? Um, and uh, my Twitter handle is at Megs OK, M E G S O K A Y. Um, and just play nice. Oh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young and uh, check out dropout.tv because it's uh, where a bunch of stuff I've worked very hard on is hosted. And I think if you like this show, uh, you'll like it. Um, Hey, uh, Holden and Lexi, congratulations. Uh, this will be going out in the air after you guys are married. So, uh, you know, it's uh, real happy for you, too. And uh, once again, uh, thank you for, for tolerating uh, this change of pace as we uh, adapt to the many glorious life changes that happen when two men in their 30s try and do a nerd podcast. Uh, as always, keep on whizzing. Never stop bruising. 
Later. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.